As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. My name is Mike Zimmerman and we have a special episode for you today. The cast of the critically acclaimed and award-winning series Ted Lasso joined us to chat all things Lasso, soccer, and more. The Athletic's Sean Fitzgerald and myself sat down with Jason Sudeikis who plays the loquacious Ted Lasso, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent, Brendan Hunt as Coach Beard, and Nick Muhammad as Nate. We're so excited to bring you inside the world of AFC Richmond. So without further ado, the cast of Ted Lasso. Season three of Ted Lasso premieres on March 15th on Apple TV Plus, And I'm pleased to be joined by one of the stars of the 11 time Emmy award winning series, Jason Sudeikis. Jason, thank you so much for hanging out on the athletic soccer show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You, you now, give us legitimacy. I that that's my that's my main goal. Well, as the manager of a Premier League club, Ted has so many responsibilities both on and off the pitch, especially for a newly promoted club like Richmond. One of importance is man management. Why is he so skilled at connecting with his players and staff? Hmm. I mean, I, I'm flattered that you think he is. I, I mean, I think he leaves himself. He meets people where they're at. I, you know, like he, he doesn't get rattled too much by someone's you know, baggage popping open and, and, you know, throwing, you know, dirty clothes all over his face. He, he can kind of, he can kind of recognize it as he has it himself. He's seen it many, many times. And I think that's one of the neat things about, you know, coaches at, at any level of like high school or college, because they, it is a transient relationship. You know, you know, you only got them for four years. Nobody's getting paid, you know, as far as the players are concerned, you know, and maybe at some colleges that that's not the case, but, uh, you know, not, and hopefully that'll change in the future, to be quite honest. But um, but it, it, it is a relationship that, you know, you're 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 getting people that may not and probably won't do this for a living. And so you want to give them the skill set. And I think he comes from that place. He probably benefited from it himself. And so he's just trying to pass that on. And the part of him that missed that relationship with you know uh, a parental figure at least in regards to his own father you know wants wants to offer that to to you know young men that that you know you know probably you know 
would benefit from it. I love the complexity of the characters, especially those in roles that we usually view from the outside as just one dimensional, you know, just as players, just as coaches or just as the owner. When developing the characters throughout the series, was there anything you wanted to show that fans of soccer don't normally get to see? Mm, 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 mm. Well, you know, my love for soccer grew throughout the experience of not just making the commercials like we started in 2013, 2014, but, but even more so over the last few years. Because like anything, like like even a bad song, you hear it enough times, you're gonna tap your toe to it because of the familiarity of it, right? And there and you know, football has been around for you know decades and decades and decades, and 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 it's not something that's as prevalent growing up here in America. I mean, every kid played it in kindergarten where I'm from, Kansas, but but very few kids stuck with it, and it, and it didn't have the same you know fervor behind it like baseball, football, uh, American football, and and basketball. Um, so, I, you know, anything that we wanted to show there was more the mentoring human side of it. And, and, and the soccer slash football really was a, a beautiful Venn diagram to show those elements of it. I think my lack of understanding and yet married and uh, with Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard's, deep understanding and love of it as well as joe kelly you know uh who is you know our other dear friend that we you know did those commercials way back when we were kind of like goldilocks like you know too hot too cold and just right you know and those conversations led to just some very human curiosity by me that led to absolute understanding by brendan and then this perfect you know combination within joe that you know i i i'm just glad that the people from the soccer community that have really watched the show and embraced the show have felt that way uh, even back to the commercials because without that community the second commercial never would have happened that the doing the second wave of commercials allowed for us to unlock the character a little bit more and it wouldn't exist without their you know laughing at us and and laughing with us and and it let us know that we were doing something right, especially you know when it, when you know we met, you know, uh, you know like someone like Terry Henry who had actually you know knew the commercials and knew the character and and was excited to be part of the TV show. It's like oh wow, like someone that you know knows, lives, breathes, and is a uh, football icon, you know, giving us a thumbs up was 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 thrilling. So I appreciate his early backing, uh, but that was something that we well- never. We wanted, but we never would have assumed we would have received. Well, that's fantastic. Jason, thank you so much for your time. We're all excited to see what season three holds for AFC Richmond. He's there. He's everywhere. But most importantly, Roy Kent is here. It's Brett Goldstein. Brett, thank you for popping into the Athletic Soccer Show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm sad you didn't swear when you did my chant, but I guess you've got rules over there. Well, it could have put it in an explicit um, sign on the podcast, but <laughs> as a player turned coach, Roy has a unique perspective. Uh, how can he relate to the players in a way that maybe Ted and Beard are not able to? Because he's been what through what they've been through, and he he understands the mindset. It's that that I think it puts him in quite a unique position compared to the two of them. Beard is you know studies it all objectively, understands it. Uh, that way, Ted, it's all heart, but Roy is like the reality of like, I know what the fuck this is. I can't remember if this is a moment in two 
or season three, and I hope it's not a spoiler, but there's a moment where they're discussing what they should do, and Roy's like, ask them, like, ask the players. They're the ones who are going to have to fucking enact this thing that we're discussing. Um, So he really... And I think that's why he's sometimes frustrated with Jamie as well, because he also knows what it takes to be the best and it takes worth work ethic. And it's again, all, all well and good in theory, but Roy's done that work. He knows you can't just fucking take a night off and get fucked up. Like you have to really drill down and do this shit every day. Roy famously and She's not bad. subtly might I add left mid broadcast on sky sports because punditry just wasn't really for him. But yeah. during that brief stint in media, do you think that he learned anything from that side of the sport that makes him a better coach? What did he let? Well, I think it, it showed him what he was missing, which was being amongst it. He was like, I don't want to be on the outside of this looking in. So it showed him that. Did he learn anything from the pundits? I'm not sure he did. <laughs> I, I'm really not sure he did. I think he, he, he learned he just didn't want to be there. So season one, episode one, we saw Roy as this tough, hot-headed, strong-willed person. What has been yeah. your favorite development or area area of growth for him? Uh, it's two. One is his relationship with Phoebe, his niece. I think is a is a beautiful thing, and they understand each other in a way that's quite grown up. In that she sees him for real, and he's learned a lot through her. And I think you know my my favorite sort of development was him falling in love with Keely and their how their relationship started from a place of them both being shocked by both of them being accountable like which I think neither of them had ever experienced and then this sort of slow growth of this relationship was a real beautiful thing for a man who'd completely shut down his heart his whole life well, I, th- I think we're all looking forward to seeing how Roy continues to develop uh, here in season three. Brett, thank you so much for joining us here on the Athletic Soccer Show. Best of luck and hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much. I'm excited to welcome on a heartthrob in the weirdest way, according to Brene Brown. It's Brendan Hunt. Brendan, thank you so much for joining the Athletic Soccer Show. Uh, thank you for giving me my uh, proper address. You're very welcome. Well, every great manager has a great right-hand man, and Coach Beard and Ted Lasso fit together like a strange, quirky, yet perfect puzzle. What does Beard bring to the coaching staff and the team that complements what Ted brings? Uh, Well, Ted's not really an X's and O's guy. He's a, um, you know, get everybody rowing the boat in the same direction guy. Um, But, you know, in the meantime, someone's got to make a lineup sheet. Um, so, uh, So Beard does him the favor of of learning all the rules of the game, uh, one book at a time. Well, Beard most of the time is the voice of reason among the team. Is that a characteristic found in yourself? Where do those Where do those words of wisdom come from? <laughs> um, well, you know, I have uh, I have uh, three sisters, and uh, on my mom's side, I have eleven aunts and uncles, and I have fifteen cousins, uh, and that's just my mom's side. That's not even getting into my dad and my stepdad, so. I, uh, I come from, you know, a long line of, uh, of, of, of tension diffusion, uh, and it's, it's it, take it from the family to the workplace as much as you can. 
When, when you sit down to write season three, how do you tie in together all these emotions that are going on throughout the story? You know, you've got comedy and humor, heartfelt romance, drama. How do you make sure there's a balance at, that that keeps the story going? Uh, we have a bunch of uh, uh, um, uh, sabermetricians who count the amount of uh, jokes and the amount of uh, teary things page by page. Um, and then we run it through the Bill James computer, uh, and then we come back and make sure that everything is totally equal. Uh, no, we just go on, on, on vibe. You know, it's, we can't let anything get too serious. We can't let anything get too silly and just kind of our natural instincts let us know when is the right time to, uh, to segue. And in particular, it's really fun to sort of keep the audience off balance with like, you know, uh, comedy and pain in, in close proximity to each other, <laughs> you know, like a left, right, left. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, 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 it's great to have all those elements in the mix because you can keep it balanced or unbalanced, uh, when you need to, you know, get the audience, uh, uh, not, not getting you predictable. Now you are a gunner and Arsenal supporter through and through. Is there any advice that coach beard would give to, uh, Mikel Arteta as they chase the premier league title? Keep doing what you're doing, baby. You got this on lockdown. You, you're 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 rotating correctly. Yeah, you're getting uh, the bench involved. You're keeping giving the kids hope and letting the kids getting the kids to stay ready. So when they are called on, like the great Reese Nelson, they step up. So no, no, no notes. Well, we'll see if they can do it. Brendan, thank you so much for hopping on the Athletic Soccer Show. Hope to speak to you again real soon. All right, thanks, Michael. Cheers. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Question and answer here, just to get into it. Um, how might your day-to-day life look if one of your most famous ensemble works was still 
crustal structure beneath the Faroe Islands from teleseismic receiver functions. If that was still one of your most famous <laughs> words, how different would your life be? <laughs> well, you've done your research. Um, yeah, um, it would, you know, I think my life would be very, very different. I'd be still um, doing geophysics on the Faroe Islands and I don't know, possibly working for an oil company or something like that, or headed into academia. <laughs> um, I still have a passion for it. Weirdly, weirdly enough, I um, when I popped home, I, I I found a copy of my dissertation um, at my parents' house, and I actually took it with me back to, to London just to have a, a a read of it. And suffice to say, I didn't understand a word of it anymore. <laughs> did, this is a silly question, and I apologize. But did you ever did you ever defend your PhD? Did you ever def do you have your PhD? No, well, I so I I wanted to quit, and then my supervisor was like, "Well, if you do one more year, you can get an MPhil, which is like a bit more than a master's." And so I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll do that." And so I so I got an MPhil, but I didn't get the full PhD. So I can't be doctor. I'm not a doctor, Mohammed. <laughs> uh, you grew up loving magic and wanting people to laugh. What was your draw into geophysics? Uh, I, I really liked science as a kid. I, you know, I, you know, I guess the, the magic sort of obsession was sort of um, a, a little bit into the kind of looking into the unknown. And I guess geophysics is sort of the science of, of looking into the unknown. You know, there's a lot of looking into space and sort of why we're here and the sort of the structure of the earth. And so I, I feel like that, you know, there was a degree of trying to answer that question a little bit. And, you know, I had a I always enjoyed science class at, at school and, you know, I was doing maths and geography and, uh, and uh, physics and things like that. So, so I think when I applied for university, I, I, I think I applied to do like the earth science course or the environmental course. And, and it was actually the university said, oh, no, because you've got a maths background, you should go into geophysics because you'll be able to use that a lot more. And so actually they kind of guided me towards it and, and I and I really took to it and really enjoyed it. And so, um, so yeah, and you know, I still like it. I'll still watch, you know, I'll still geek out over science programs on, on telly and, and stuff and, and read about it still. The last uh, question on the geophysics angle here is, when was the last time you might've put anything you learned during your degrees to use? <laughs> oh, well, Probably, you know, I mean, to, to use in what regard? I mean, I, well, weirdly, there was a weird crossover in that I, I pop up in the film, The Martian, the Ridley mm -hmm. Scott film, and um, and that was to play, a, a, well, a, like a physicist at Jet Propulsion Labs. And um, I weirdly, quite a lot of the tech speak and, and some of the jargon, I did know from my geophysics days because a lot of it was sort of programming speak and they were using some of the systems and software that I'd used. So actually, I think that that helped me in, in that role. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend someone studying a geophysics degree just to try and get that role in a Ridley Scott film. But, but still, uh, that was probably the last time it was put to, to good, effective artistic use. Uh, speaking of acquisition of knowledge, uh, where in his backstory do you think Nathan Shelley might have acquired his sort of encyclopedic knowledge of tactics in soccer? Well, I think he's a little bit, you know, he's a bit of a wonder kid, isn't he? As in, I think he's quite special in that regard. He definitely has the capacity to take, you know, to, I guess, assimilate quite large quantities of information. Weirdly enough, it is something that they do sort of explore in season three to a degree, like why is his brain like how it, how it is, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't go so far to say that Nate is on the spectrum in any way, but he definitely has you know, certain genius qualities when it comes to gameplay and um, 
we see that manifest itself in other ways, which I won't kind of give away. But later on in, in the season three, we see that he has a gift for something else that is quite unexpected. Um, but then maybe not surprising when you think that he is, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word genius because he's not a genius, but but he, he definitely, he definitely, his brain definitely works in different ways um, and um, might even go towards explaining why why he's socially not quite as adept as, 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 as some of his other peers. Without getting into too deep of any psychological profile, I guess the curiosity is that with the strained relationship with his dad, and I mean, there is that strain, uh, certainly, you know, building up through season one and two with the family. I mean, do you get the sense that, you know, with the social awkwardness and, and with the way certainly in the beginning that he would sort of contract that maybe as a kid, soccer was a place where he felt like he could invest himself and feel like he belonged, that sort of thing? Yeah, to a, to a degree. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely right to say that his, his insecurities stem from his relationship with his dad. That's I don't think that's a a spoiler in any kind of way and you know i'm sure that we'll unpack that in this season to a degree but i think it's interesting because you know yes yes and yes and no i think so, so, uh, football was an outlet for him to kind of get get away from that but it's not like he found himself on on the pitch you know he's not he's not he's not that way inclined he didn't he never he, he doesn't get that kind of glory he's always sort of a, been a behind the scenes guy you know, obviously, we, when we first introduced him, he's he's the kit man, and he's almost like the general dog's body, sort of surrounding himself in this environment, but never really quite getting the attention or the praise that he seeks, and no one respects his knowledge of the game or anything. Um, it's only when Ted comes along, ironically, who he then stabs in the back, that that someone respects him and kind of gives him that platform. And in a way, that is sadly his his downfall as well. Um, but he's always a behind. He's always been a behind the scenes guy, hasn't he? Regardless of where he's found himself, he's not. He's not. A, he's not an in front of the camera kind of guy. He's just not that way inclined. He's got. He's got too many deep seated insecurities, um, which manifest themselves as vanity, I guess, later on. But he's just not. Yeah, he's just not that person. For you personally, Nick, um, you know, when you sit back and you think like. And I know this is loaded given the context, but like, who are your favorite movie or literary villains? Like when you think of like a movie that, or a film or a television series, you're like, that's a good villain. Like, who do you think of? Oh God, I mean, you know what? It's, it's <laughs> I, I, well, Moriarty's a great villain um, in Sherlock Holmes, in fiction. But in terms of uh, movies, I mean, if I like just think of Alan Rickman in the role of, well, Snape, but also in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, his, his portrayal of Sheriff Nottingham is so great. Um, um, and in Die Hard, of course, you know, <laughs> he's just got that brilliant villainous quality, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously those are all, all works of fiction, but I mean, you know, there are obviously countless real life villains who've been portrayed phenomenally by the likes of, I don't know, if I think of, you know, Ray finds in Schindler's List. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's endless. But um, but yeah, I mean, there are. Uh, well, I think with with all you know, with all villains, there's always an origin story, right? Um, and I guess with 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 Nate finding himself the villain of this piece, um, I, I guess my aim was to always sort of try and find a truth to it, as as difficult as that can be, because you know, I'm not condoning his actions or justifying his behaviour, but um, you know. Try, trying to find the reason as to why he would feel like the way he does as a, as a reason for it to, to excuse his behavior. That, that felt like I had to sort of almost find that truth to make it believable. Is Nate 
a villain? Well, his his a lot of his behaviour is villainous. Like a lot of his actions are, are, are villainous, but but he he is undoubtedly a victim. And actually, that that um, that season finale, you know, the end of season two, that that um, uh, when he his head and 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 there's that outpouring of just well hate and everything when he, he says, says all that stuff to to ted um i think it's very easy to sort of see ted as the victim in that because of the stuff that nate is saying to him and he really hammers home when he says the stuff about you should be back at home with your son and all that stuff but actually i i think or, or, or you know i have to sort of almost feel this because i'm the person playing nate i feel like that nate was the most vulnerable person in that situation you know for, for Nate to say that, to betray the person who put him where he was, you know, says a lot about Nate's insecurities. And I think Nate was, was really, really, it's really, really vulnerable in that moment. And in fact, some of the most sort of villainous things Nate does, and in season three as well, we, are really just layers of insecurity, I think we're kind of seeing in Nate. Um, how might the reaction especially in season two on social media, how might when, and I've read of different ways that, I mean, Jason speaking to you about, you know, what to expect or maybe how to deal with it, but, but that reaction that you might've received either on the street or on social media, what might that have done to inform you on how people connect with this show? It's really interesting because I think, you know, the, I mean, social media definitely did do its thing. <laughs> It's expected thing when, especially when the season finale of season two came out, and um, but it was fascinating. You know, it's also fascinating, and a lot of it was just, I mean, it's just the power of the writing, right? Because so many people were invested in these characters, not just Nate, you know, but 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 you know, to take that storyline, and I guess Nate did have the biggest heel turn across those first two seasons. Maybe I mean Hannah had, you know, obviously that great journey uh in, in in season one but i don't think anyone had been taken on the you know no one had been we kind of grow to love and then we kind of grow to hate in such a short space of time relatively short space of time as nate and so and because we were so invested in that season one journey of you know this underdog doing good and being able to prove his his worth to then for him to then betray Ted felt like the ultimate gut punch because we were really rooting for him. So we really felt that. But on the whole, people are really obviously really respectful and can tell the difference between the actor and the character, but they undoubtedly feel hurt and they do feel that betrayal as if it was real. And and you know, there's something about the show, I don't know, because of when that season one came out and people were obviously very receptive to it, not least because of the pandemic and them really needing an outlet for the positive and hopeful you know, those, those positive themes within the show, the fact that we then, the show then dealt with something that was quite toxic and quite poisonous. And, and, and that, you know, was slightly, we saw that journey through Nate's downfall in season two. Um, uh, you know, I think people really took it to heart, <laughs> really took it, took it to heart. And, um, um, you know, whether they can forgive Nate, I don't know, maybe they feel he's already crossed the line and, um, you know, there's no, there's not even a glimmer of you know, possible redemption for him. You've, you've often been asked and you've often spoken how um, leading into the show, you never really had much of a connection with sports, any sports, uh, especially mm -hmm. soccer. But now over the course of three seasons of Ted Lasso, what might you have learned about the game? 
Well, I, th- I feel like I definitely do have a newfound respect for, for team, for team sport actually. And, um, and you know, just what it, what it means to be a part of a team and to work as a team and to go through the sort of highs and lows of success and failure. Um, but also then what it means to, to the fans of, of those teams as well. You know, we're so lucky that we've kind of got to film at some, you know, great stadiums in, in the UK and, um, you can't help but suddenly have a, a respect for it when you kind of walk onto those pitches and you think, God, this, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, all of these seats would be full and people would be cheering you on, you know, that, that's, you know, I've never, obviously never experienced anything like that in my life. And so you, but you can't help, but there's, there's a certain majestic quality to those stadiums, which is, which is quite infectious and, you know, just been surrounded by the, 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 the players, but also the creators of the show, Ted Lasso, obviously huge sports fans and football fans. And um, you can't help but, but, but be sort of buoyed on by that enthusiasm for it. And, you know, as much as I do, you know, I can't profess to being sports mad or, or football mad. Um, I've definitely got an appreciation for it. And, and certainly that team aspect of it and, the, you know, the coaching aspect, you know, even something as straightforward as just someone being there to coach a team, you know, it feels like, to have a good coach must be so inspiring, you know, to, you know, especially when you're coaching young people at an age when they are so susceptible to, to, to things that could kind of go wrong in their lives, to have like a strong voice and a strong leader in their lives is so important, you know, irrespective of their background or upbringing or anything like that. Um, uh, that, that, that speaks a lot to me. I, I, I think that that's an incredible thing. When I hear Jason speak about, his basketball coach or, you know, if I hear Brendan talk about, you know, soccer coaches or who inspirations behind the show or inspirations behind Ted Lasso, that's really impactful stuff because that's just having a strong dynamic leader, irrespective of whether it's about sports or anything that, that, you know, that has to, that means a lot. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Uh, good luck with this project and all the other ones that I've seen on your IMDb page and in the work. Thank, so, you. thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Again, a special thanks to Jason Sudeikis, Brett Goldstein, Brendan Hunt, and Nick Muhammad for their time, and to Sean Fitzgerald for his incredible and fun deep dive into Nick's IMDb catalog and beyond. I'm Mike Zimmerman, and this has been an episode of The Athletic Soccer Show. We will see you next time.